Welcome! You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan. Thank you for listening today to the podcast. This will be part two uh, in a series uh, that we are entitling, What Does Scripture Say About How to Handle White Privilege? And if you missed part one, it is from uh, Wednesday, the the last podcast. You can always go and and listen to any uh, of the podcasts that you may have uh, missed uh, previously. Uh, at our website, and that is at UncommonSensePodcast.com, and we have archived all of our podcasts there. You can also go there and you can help support the program. Uh, We have a merchandise area uh, where there's some really cool stuff. If you haven't been there, you haven't looked at it, even, even lately, we're always changing things there. Uh, there is some really awesome things there, and uh, and 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 not just things uh, that have the the podcast logo or whatever on them. Uh, though you can get those there too, and it's an awesome logo, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you can also get things that you know shirts, t-shirts, let's say that have some scripture on them and things, and and it's just really kind of a neat area that you might want to check out. So anyway, go to uncommonsensepodcast.com, and you can also go to Facebook and Instagram and all that. Uh, and and help support us there by liking us, and, and that always helps. But getting into today and finishing up what we started last time, uh, we started with a, um, it, it was an article entitled, the What Does Scripture Say About How to Handle White Privilege? And it was by written by uh, Hope Bollinger, and she is the SEO editor of Crosswalk.com. And Crosswalk, you know, <laughs> Crosswalk is kind of like, those boxes of jelly beans have you ever have you you ever seen those boxes of jelly beans that have some really awesome flavors in them i mean they'll have like orange or buttered popcorn or things like this but they also have flavors that are like rotten eggs and baby vomit and things like this and 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 the jelly beans are they look exactly like the real good ones and so you never know you you reach into the box you you pull on out and you don't always is this buttered popcorn or is this baby vomit? You know, you have to heat it in order to, to find out. And and this art this this article is a little more like baby vomit flavor of jelly bean than 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 the buttered popcorn. But and I'm not going to go into all you know what what we did in the in the first podcast of this. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. But what what uh, she did say is that to find ways to do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with God, which is what she's saying that Scripture says to do, then she says, let's address how to do that with white privilege. And we're going to pick up right there and where we left off. And she gives us three easy steps, basically, of how to do this. So let's, let's, uh, let's look and see what she says here. She says, many people tend to be turned off to the idea of white privilege because they may not have experienced discrimination before. Or, I would even say, or maybe because it isn't a real thing. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Maybe that's why people are turned off (laughs) to the idea. Anyway, all right, let's continue. They may never have walked into a classroom and been the only person of their race, she says. Or they may never have... Uh, profiled, been profiled by someone before who harbored assumptions. For instance, being asked, quote, do you play basketball? Instead of, do you like to play sports? <laughs> was a question one of my black classmates was asked back in high school. 
<laughs> all right so <laughs> let's stop there for a second all right I, so my my fishing buddy i have a really good fishing buddy one of my best friends and and uh and he is a uh, hispanic uh and he is just an awesome guy i i really like him uh, his, his name is uriel and he uh him and i have have been on so many trips down the rivers whitewater rafting and fly fishing and 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 camping and and boy you know to, to go out i have to tell you to to be on a river for like an entire week where you don't have any email you don't have any phone calls and there's no cell service there's no data and there's no nothing yeah all you do is just simply eat sleep and fish <laughs> you know with a little white water thrown in there that is so nice and it's so refreshing and and, and him and i do these we like to do them once a year uh, if we can and uh, at least and and uh and and he one time uriel wanted to uh to show me a, a, a little bit we, we were talking one time uh on the riverbank and he said you know he said we were ta talking about how mexican food can be really good and some of the things i really like i, I love arroz con pollo <laughs> chicken with rice it's really good it's really good and my wife has, has learned how to make it just wonderfully but uh but he said oh he says if, if you want real mexican food he says i've got a place for you and and so the next time that we go uh and, and we're near there he says let's let's go and, and i'll show you some really good mexican food so uh so him and his brother and i uh we go to this this restaurant and um and and uriel walks in and inside this restaurant you can tell this is a good restaurant because and it's a little kind of like a hole in the wall just to be honest with you uh kind of had a glass glass front or whatever and, and and you walk in and you have to go all the way to the back of the restaurant in order to order that's where the order desk is and all the way to the back and all all of the tables are up front and this place is I, I, like i say this place is packed you can't you can't find a seat and uriel walks in the door and, and it's it's noisy everybody's talking right and he go and he goes right down you know right down the middle his brother walks in i mean it, like i say it's noisy i walk in the front door and i myself am not hispanic i'm white and i'm tall i'm about six three and and very white and so and i walk in that door and all of a sudden every every head turns toward me and everybody goes silent <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, Uriel goes in, his brother goes in, nothing, you know, everything's fine. I walk in the front door and woof, everybody's like, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, you know, th this, so it happens, all right? This, this does happen. Uh, if, if uh, I say, you know, you know, why, why, you know, do you play basketball? Um, is, is that, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. Why can't I ask somebody if they pay, play basketball. I, I've, I've asked people if they play basketball. I love playing basketball myself. Um, you know, I, 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 I would say that, that I've experienced this, this type of thing as well when I was younger. I, um, I, like I say, I love to play basketball. So I would, literally, I, would, I would live about, I was living about, I would say about 45 minutes from Portland, Oregon at the time. And um, this, was, this was back uh, after I graduated high school and uh, I would probably my college days, I would say, and and I uh, I would go up to Portland 
every Saturday, I would drive, uh, make the 45 minute drive or so up to Portland, and I would find some park anywhere. I would, I mean, I, I would look for a park anywhere in Portland that where people were playing basketball. And, and there were literally days when I was the only white person I saw all day. I mean, literally, I, I, I would I would show up at a park. They're playing their, some pickup game of basketball. I would I would uh, go join them, and 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 it, obviously, I'm the only uh, guy who's white uh, on on the court. And and they're like, oh well, I guess we have to take this guy. And 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 I had the skill skill level enough to to at least hold my own and and continue to get better. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do. It. I wanted to continue to get better, and and. Uh, and, and and yet, you know, th- this whole idea that that uh, people can make assumptions and that's racism is just completely out to lunch. Uh, I have I have experienced all of this, and I still think that this kind of stuff, this white privilege thing, it's just simply a pile of crap. To be honest with you, I mean, I mean, I, I you know, I, I tend to be turned off by the idea of white privilege. I mean, come on, this 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 whole this whole thing is just just nonsense in my book. So let's look, um, and she, she says, she, she goes on with her article here. She says, let's look at the example of Job. His friends actually started off in the right. After Job encountered disaster after disaster, they sit with him in silence in support. Job 2.13. Where they go wrong is where they start to talk, she says. They try to explain everything to Job by blaming it on skin. I'm sorry, on sin. Or, you know, in her case, I guess it's the same thing. Anyway, telling him that it's all his fault that these horrible circumstances have befallen them. This earns them a mighty reprimand from God. No, no, let me stop there. No, where they went wrong was giving him wrong counsel. That was why God reprimanded them. It was the wrong counsel. That, that that God said was the wrong thing here. You know, like wrong counsel like is is what she's giving here. That's that's what deserves a God-given reprimand. So according to her here, we are just to wallow in the misery of our friends? I mean, come on. You know, that so I, I I guess I guess here's here's the thing. You know, there, there are phrases that we're now to use. If, if, if you go along this line of thinking that we're just supposed to, to sit and, and wallow with, with your uh, friends that are in misery, we're just supposed to listen, we're not supposed to talk, because if we talk, we're going to get reprimanded by God, right? And so here's some, here's some phrases, I guess, that, that we're now to use, right? Uh, yes, you are a victim. Or how about... You have every right to keep feeling this way. Or, no, there is nothing you can do about your situation. I mean, that, that would be comforting, right? How about, others have life so much better than you. <laughs> or, or uh, I don't have any advice for you to help you make things better. <laughs> I mean, come on! I mean, this is ridiculous. This doesn't help anybody. You know, to, to, to wallow in somebody's misery with them is, is not helping somebody. That's not a friend. All right. She continues. When we realize that we do have privilege, it's best we listen to those who have experiences outside of ours and not explain it away. That only serves to invalidate their experiences and make them feel more isolated and 
hopeless. Listening and choosing to suffer with your black brothers and sisters is an essential first step. And choosing to suffer with your black brothers and sisters. Isn't that interesting? We're to suffer with them. Not sure how they're suffering, but anyway, interesting perspective. All right, step two, recognize, she says, is step two. In order to alleviate injustice, it is essential to recognize the injustice, that injustice exists. I'm reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan, how a man was left half dead on the road, and the priest and Levite passed by on the other side. They pretended not to see the injustice done to the man. Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. All right, but here's the deal. But the bigger question is, is white privilege really an injustice that needs to be alleviated? I mean, that's what she's trying to to correlate here. Is white privilege really an injustice that we're to alleviate? She continues, if we want to help in ending injustice that racism causes, we need to be aware of some of these prejudices that are woven into the very fabric of society as well as our own minds. We cannot turn a blind eye on those that are calling out in suffering around us. Okay, okay. (laughs) First of all, critical race theory is not a real thing. All right. Our society does not have racism woven into its fabric. All right. That, 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 is, that is what's called critical race theory, and it's not a real thing. You know, who, and, and who is calling out in suffering around us? Seriously, I, if anybody can, can tell me who is calling out in suffering around us and, and what suffering is going on around us. I mean, there are people that, that are in, in certain situations that we can help and alleviate uh, their, their situations. Yes, but come on, this is, this is ridiculous. She says, educate yourself about why they are suffering and how our society got here. Research the hardships black people have to go through simply because of their skin color. Read books like White Fragility and Stamped from the Beginning in order to better understand your impact biases, I'm sorry, implicit biases and how you got them and what your part is to help. All right, stop right there, okay? Let's talk about the two books just for a moment here. We're not going to get into it all the way. But let's talk about those two resources that she says that we need to read in order to understand and help our black brothers and sisters, all right? Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility is one. Now, Robin D'Angelo is an associate professor at the University of Washington and the author of the book White Fragility. Why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism that was, and that, that was published in, in 2018. Now, white fragility says that black people can't succeed on their own. I mean, I'm just I'm just going to tell you, base in a nutshell, what it what it's saying. All right, I'm going to save you from having to buy the book and having to go through the torture of reading it. White fragility says that black people can't succeed on their own. That it is only it is only the white woke people that make it possible for blacks to to succeed. Blacks are systemically discriminated against by whites 
You know, if, if you as a white person deny this, then it's a sign that you yourself are a racist. This is also uh, the woman that made 70% more than her black counterpart during a college event that the, that the two spoke at that was uh, focused on racial equity and disparities <laughs> according to campus reform. I mean, come on. She, she, if she really believed the stuff that she's peddling, that wouldn't have happened. And this is absolutely ridiculous stuff. She's Robin D'Angelo is more of a cult leader than she is anything else. And she is just simply making money off of this. And let's, so, so let's take a look at the other one she wants us to read. And it's called Stamped from the Beginning. Uh, Ibram X. Kendi, uh, Kendi is the author of this. Ibram X. Kennedy there, uh, said, said this, quote, There is no such thing as a, as a not racist idea. Okay, let me, let me repeat that again. There is no such thing as a not racist idea. Only racist ideas and anti-racist ideas, unquote. Uh, this even extends to, to policy. Um, he, he said this, get this, every policy in every institution, in every community, in every nation is producing or, substa- uh, or sustaining either racial inequity or equity. Kendi proclaims defining the former as racist policies and the latter as anti-racist ones. I mean, questioning this point of view about every policy being racist or not racist, even, well, look, Vox and and their co-founder, Ezra Klein, uh, gave the hypothetical example of a of a uh, a capital gains tax cut. Uh, most of us think of a capital gains tax as you know a, a policy that is neutral or um, you know as as regarding to the question of race racism. I mean, how how can how how can capital gains or a capital gains tax cut be a- anything portrayed as race or, or racism? But given that blacks are un, under uh, represented among stockholders. And stock owners, Klein asked, would it be racist to support a capital gains tax? Yes, Kendi answered, without even hesitation. And in, and in case you, you plan on escaping the, the charge of racism by remaining agnostic on the, the capital gains tax, that won't work either. Because Kendi defines a racist as someone who supports a racist policy through their actions or inactions. So just the fact that you're not, you don't say anything or do anything in, in support of what he believes means you're a racist. And Kennedy said, when, when I see uh, racial disparities, I see racism. Isn't this, this is what has become mainstream liberal orthodoxy. That when they see a disparity, then that, that, that shows racism. A French philosopher Pascal uh, Buckner wrote that a uh, consistent anti-racist is a sleuth who discovers a form of um, segregation every morning, delighted to have added this new species to the great taxidermy of progressive societies. And I would completely agree with that. All right, on to the last step. Step three, we need to help. And Micah 6.8 calls us to do justice. We do not, uh, we cannot do justice, she says, if we do not do 
This may look uh, like having uh, conversations with marginalized, there we go, marginalized people in your church community and asking what are the best steps in alleviating this divide or better include those who have been forgotten by our church. All right, I got to jump in. How do we do justice in, when, when it comes to rectifying a fake injustice? Uh, who, who, has, who has been forgotten in our church? She's saying these, these are forgotten people in our church. And she says, it may look like asking God what are the best courses of action uh, you can do to combat the sin of racism in your, in your church, in your community, in your own personal lives. Again, I'm saying, this again is presuming that there is racism under every rock. You know, you have racists in your church. There is racism in your community. You are a racist and you don't even know it, is what they're saying. I, I am, I'm not saying that racism doesn't, doesn't exist. What I'm saying is that when someone says that everyone is a racist, and, and if you even want to have a conversation about it, it means that you are a racist. That, that you, you're listening to someone that, if, if, if you're listening to this kind of, of stuff, you're listening to someone who is profiting on racism, is what I'm going to tell you. She continues on here and says, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 tells us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, um, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So, So here we go again with the idea that all blacks are destitute, poor and needy. It is up to us, us woke whites, to help these these mute blacks that can't speak for themselves it's just ridiculous she says jesus was an amazing example of loving action he sought out the ostracized and hated the lepers tax collectors and prostitutes he looked out for the poor and told this his disciples to do the same uh you see that the theme is coming out here again right can you see it she says it's not often e- it's not often easy to uh, recognize one's privilege and often these topics and talks may make us uncomfortable but because we are all made in the image of God we should make an ardent effort to make sure that everyone is treated as such that no one is left out and that we play an active role in helping heal a scar that has hurt the lives of so many for centuries. Okay, we feel uncomfortable talking about this because, number one, you say that if we want to talk about it, it proves we're racist. And number two, you say that that we have to start with a false premise that everyone is racist and that only talk about what we're going to do um, about us being racist. So I have to admit that I'm a racist, and then I have to tell you what I'm going to do about that. That's the only time you want to talk to me. That's what makes us uncomfortable. And how is the scar of racism hurting the lives of so many for centuries? Come on. How is racism today affecting blacks today? I mean, seriously, the idea that just because someone is not exactly equal, then then that, that means it's because of racism? That's just simply false. 
these prophets of race say that you know, a disproportionate number of blacks live under the poverty line, and that this is proof that everyone in our country is racist. I mean, there is a number of factors why there are a disproportionate number of blacks that live under the poverty line, one of which could it be that maybe the, the black leadership, like BLM, are saying things like their stated goal, for instance, to tear down the family structure. You know, they're, they're against using logic against hard work, uh, prom- promotes a lack of respect for authority, discourages delayed gratification, self-reliance, independence, and autonomy. They, 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 their, their, their leaders teach that there's no value in property rights or ownership, that progress is not a desirable thing, that planning for the future is useless, and that you know politeness and, and dis- decision-making abilities are, are not a good thing. There are many policies today, um, whether they they be in form of of government or private organizations, that benefit one race based solely on the color of someone's skin. Uh, I mean, we could be talking about affirmative action policies, outreach campaigns targeting uh, recruitment and employee and management development. Employee support programs are are examples of affirmative action in employment. Uh, Government programs that are awarded only to minority-owned businesses. I mean, I could give you examples. Lowe's, uh, they, they, have, they have grants to, to only black-owned businesses. Uber Eats, they have a policy for free delivery to black-owned businesses. I just don't see where Hope, you know, the, the CEO, or I'm sorry, the SEO editor of Crosswalk.com writing any articles calling us Christians to fight these racist policies. I don't see them. I don't see her writing anything about those type of policies. But she's going to come out with this article that says that we're racists if we're white. And we, and if we, if we say we aren't, that proves that we are. And that's absolutely ridiculous. The Bible is, is, does, does not say anything of the sort. And I am offended by someone who writes that it that it says that and so we need to we need to to, to definitely call out people like this who take scripture and they twist it and they twist it to try to 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 support their lies and their their uh their false premises and you may agree with me you may not but i'd love to hear you and i'd love to hear what you have to say you may, you may come up with some examples. You may say, you know what, Doug, you're completely off base. Or you may say, you know what, I am, I am, I am definitely on board with you. We'd love to hear from you. You can always go to our website, uncommonsensepodcast.com. And thank you for listening.